Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. I'm trying to figure out how to get this episode started. Yeah, this is always the trouble that we have where we sit here and we think for a while about how we want to start. Yeah, I reckon this is a universal problem. Getting started with stuff. Yeah, like where do you where do you start from if... Well, I mean, we know where we want to go. We want to talk about today's topic, but... Yeah, we want to talk about our topic, which is getting started. So, um, you are listening to a contrived introduction of linear digressions. So, today we're talking about when you get an email, and the email says, Hey, Katie, love the show. I'm getting into machine learning. How do I get started? Yeah, or this happens all the time when I'll be at conferences or chatting with people, or I, I get this question a lot. Because um, you're like celebrity status, right? Oh, stop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but it's a it's a fair question. Data science is a really, it's a hot field right now. A lot of folks who are interested in getting their first job, especially, that's what I hear about a lot, because it's challenging to get your first job. And... So the question that I get fairly frequently and I thought was worth just talking about here is some version of like, how do I get started? Yeah. And also, I mean, just given how popular this field uh, is in general and how many new things there are, probably as a beginner, it's pretty overwhelming looking at all of these different things that you could be reading about and uh, not knowing what to focus on. And I've yeah. definitely, I've definitely been guilty—not guilty, but I've, I have fallen victim to this this mentality before uh, in software, of like, okay, I've got all of these different things that I need to read. I guess I should just read all of them. And then at the end, I, I have learned none of them, and uh, that's not such a good strategy, I'll say from experience. Yeah, I think data science and machine learning can be the same. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a good problem to have, right? That there's too many good resources out there for you to only have maybe one or two that you have to pick from to get started. Instead, you have dozens if you like. Um, but putting that aside for a moment, let's usually when I'm talking with people, I don't make assumptions about the best way for someone to learn material because just everybody has different learning styles, right? Some people learn by taking online courses. Some people, they would do much better to do something that's in person, whether it's uh, like a boot camp or a master's program, depending on some of these folks. Some of these people are coming out of PhD programs, so they don't need any more formal training. They just need a little bit of polishing. So usually I will let a person sort out for themselves what type of learning is best and most suitable for where they are in life and what they're trying to do. Usually the question that they're asking, I'll interpret in a slightly different way, which is, okay, let's assume that I have some, some baseline way of getting familiar with this material. Like, what do I, what do I do with that? Is that, do I take courses? Uh, is, should I have a blog? Uh, like it's a little bit more about how to signal, especially to the job market that you're a candidate who's worth talking to if someone's a hiring manager. Oh, that's interesting. I guess I hadn't thought of, uh, you mean like having a blog, right? Like starting a blog. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I've definitely thought about that as, as a way of signaling to somebody, Hey, like I'm, I'm in this field 
And then I've separately thought about it as it's important whenever you're learning something to have some sort of uh, reflection uh, that you do. Like a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, like, I've learned so much about machine learning having done none of it. But that's a totally separate topic. Um, But yeah, like, if if you just, like, if you just read all day, then you're not going to learn as much as if you read half the time and then write about what you've you've read half the time. And a blog can be a good way of doing that. But I, I guess I hadn't realized that those two could be the same thing. You could start a blog, and that could be also a part of the way that you learn. Totally, yeah. And I think that there's there's another part to this question. I'm, I'm kind of winding up to give the answer that I usually give to folks, which is that in data science and machine learning, in my experience, there's the statistics, the machine learning methods, that sort of stuff that you can learn from you know, SQL, Python. Uh, you can learn from many sources. But the thing that really separates like a good candidate from a great candidate is do you know how to apply those methods to solve an actual problem that somebody cares about and like communicate that in some way so that the problem ends up solved uh, do you know how to take these take these tools and apply them not just in an academic sense but to like audition for the job that you would have if you were to come you know work on my team or, or whatever uh, that where we don't sit around uh, you know, just doing the same tidy little machine learning tasks all day. Yeah. Instead, you know, we're we're out there trying to figure out how to solve problems, and sometimes that involves statistics and machine learning. Sometimes it's more about software engineering. Sometimes it's more about, uh, you know, knowing what problems you shouldn't solve. A lot of it is about knowing where to go get data. So that's a that's a different set of skills than what you usually learn in training programs, boot camps, Kaggle competitions, that sort of thing. Right. So the application of the knowledge, not just what you read, but how you can apply that to actually doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. I don't know if this is a a question that you get very often from people, but put yourself in my shoes for a moment. But somebody's asking you about how do I get into web dev? Uh, What would be the advice that you would give them? Like assume that they can go out and they have the resources of the internet at their fingertips for learning, say, JavaScript syntax or CSS or whatever, what would be the thing that you would layer on top of that to tell them like, yeah, here's the thing that I could see on your resume if you decided to work on it that would catch my eye? Yeah, um, I guess there are two questions in that. One is, one seems to be to me, what is a really good way for me to get myself to a level to, to a, a higher level, I guess. And then the other is the specifically resume part of it. For the first part, I think um, just do a lot of stuff, like build a lot of websites, build a lot of web apps, like, you know, build a, build a Twitter clone, you know, just build it. I mean, it doesn't matter that thousands of people have done it, you know. There's a, a website called To Do MVC, and it... It shows how to build a to-do. It, it shows, a, I guess, a canonical way of building a to-do app using all of these different frameworks. And it's it's kind of a good way of learning about frameworks. But go ahead and build a bunch of to-do apps yourself. Never mind that they're already built. It doesn't matter because what matters is uh, taking the information that you've stored in your brain and rewiring your brain to actually apply it and use it. 
Uh, in terms of the resume part of it, I think it, it just, I guess it kind of depends on what job exactly you're going for. I mean, some jobs, it's important that you have experience specifically at companies. Some jobs, maybe it's more important that you have things in your portfolio that you can point to and say, like, this is some code I wrote. And maybe maybe um, also another piece of it might be GitHub commit history. Uh, so some of these things you can merge together, some of them uh, not as much. But if you're, if you're just building a lot of stuff and you're putting it up on GitHub, frankly, it doesn't matter if the quality of some of your earlier code is bad. The important thing is just that you continue um, applying these things, running into issues, finding ways to solve them, uh, and, and that'll make you a really good candidate. And that is exactly the type of answer that I give too. So I give the data science version of that response and I break, I break it apart in the same way that you do. So in data science, it's, you're not necessarily building tools, although you you know, you can, that can be the way that you get your stuff out of the world, but usually you're focusing on answering a question that you think is interesting. And so the biggest tip that I give to folks is um, go out and do projects on your own, especially projects that interest you like as a person. And the reason why I think those are so valuable is because that the things that interest you as a person are probably mostly not things that are have uh, tidy little data sets for them floating around so that you can express it as mm-hmm. a machine learning yeah. challenge. And that is so much of what a data scientist's real job is, is thinking about a problem that they want to solve and then figuring out how to go get the data and clean it up and get it all merged and formatted correctly and all that kind of thing. So starting with a project that you care about and then having to go out and do that hard work around gathering the data and getting it to a place where it's ready for machine learning analysis is like, that's exactly the kind of thing that is a very true audition for the actual work of data science. And then the second piece that you mentioned about making it publicly available in some way for data scientists, this is usually uh, not too hard to do because there's things like notebooks that you can publish on uh, GitHub and, and that sort of thing. You can kind of publish your, your work as you go. But the other aspect to it that I didn't spend time on before is when you do your own self-motivated personal projects, it gives me a little bit of insight into the types of problems that you find interesting, which is just so much more, uh, it tells me so much more about you than, than a class project or than a Kaggle competition or something like that. Cause there isn't, there isn't a ton of creativity in anything about like the problem formulation of those types of things. Cause usually it's just handed to you and they say, here's the data set, solve this problem. But that, that doesn't tell me anything that interesting. And so, you know, in a, in a world in which there's lots of folks who might be applying for a job or, or what have you, um, getting a sense of who you are as a person and that aspect of it is kind of valuable. And that's where a lot of the connection is made. And I think this, I'm speaking for myself personally here, but I think that it's, you know, it's true of anyone who uh, might be considering you for a job or, or what have you. They want to get a sense of who you are as a person and what you would be like to work with. And so getting a little bit of a glimpse into your personality and your interests is uh, hopefully never a bad thing. I remember a project that you did way early on uh, in, in the making of this podcast we, you and I both had this problem where we would say, um, a lot when we were recording. Yes. And 
I remember you had this idea. What if I could make a model that could take in the the audio stream, the audio recording from the podcast, and detect all of the ums, and then possibly even from there remove the ums automatically? So that way, you as an editor of the podcast don't have to go and do it manually. And I figure, I, I guess I think of that as kind of an example of this. Like, it doesn't matter that you didn't finish it because you got busy with a lot of other things and you had work and, and you also were recording the podcast. And it's also um, actually, I, I don't think I would ever trust it to totally edit out all the rooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just as a side note, it wouldn't save me any time. Next step is a machine learning algorithm that can understand what we're saying and edit the podcast to be really nice and concise. Indeed. <laughs> and we just trust it. No, um, but yeah, I, like I imagine if I'm uh, just going back to web development, if I were, if I saw, an, if I saw five candidates and one of them had whatever the equivalent of an um detector was in web development, I would think, whoa, that's like, it, it doesn't matter that this person may not have finished it. It may not even matter that the project doesn't quite run. The thing that's interesting to me about that is not the code the person wrote, but it's the fact that the person thought to, like, identified a problem that, you know, maybe was in their life or, or just seemed, like, fun to tackle and then actually tried to solve it proactively. And that's, I guess, when, when you're looking for people to work with, Definitely, it's important that they know their stuff in terms of the actual subject. But something that I think is underappreciated or, or ta not talked about as much is uh, someone's ability to identify problems and just go and solve them, like their, um, their proactivity. And so having a lot of code out there, it kind of shows that proactivity and also that interest just in the topic. Totally. There's one other thing I want to mention here and then... We can call it a day, which is that this is kind of a side benefit. But if you're working on a project, especially one that, you know, that you thought of and that you think is cool and that motivates you, then you're much more likely to push through some of the hard spots. Um, and that can be, that's some of the hardest stuff about doing projects is not getting them started, but kind of continuing with them when they're not, yeah. when they don't have that new car <laughs> smell anymore and they're kind of boring. But if, if what you're doing is you're solving a problem that you really care about or that resonates with you, then you're much more likely to see it through uh, to a more complete stage. So even if it's, it, it doesn't mean that you have to be saving the world or whatever. You can just do like baseball stats. But if you're a person who really cares about baseball or I don't know, like what else, what else do people get carried away with? Uh, statistical analysis of who gets killed in Game of Thrones or uh, cooking uh, or, cooking, yeah. you know, there's so many things that uh, just are fun to that people enjoy and that thinking about how you can bring data into that and play around with it means that you're much more likely, or at least I'm much more likely when I think about myself for this, uh, to to pick it up on some of those, you know, nights when all you want to do is veg out in front of the TV. Um, you know, if if the alternative to that is something that's interesting to you, then you're much more likely to pick it up and keep working on it. So in conclusion, again, if you are looking to get into data science, there are lots of good resources that you have for learning. And the, the thing that I would toss on to that, it's not a substitute for doing things like going and taking courses or um, practicing your skills or reading mm -hmm. textbooks or anything like that. But 
the thing that I always stress to candidates if they're thinking about this, especially like how do I get a job, is as quickly as possible, try to start building stuff with those skills that you're learning. Try to start doing analyses of things that you find interesting and that those will push you in ways that are interesting, that are realistic, that give uh, you know future employers a lot of insight about what kind of person you would be to work with. And that's exactly the way that you want to be uh, thinking about it. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know that this podcast is not about web development or, um, or more general programming, but I would say that the exact same stuff uh, applies in those worlds as well, and probably far more worlds. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.